Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Daily Devo with Vince and Bo. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Welcome to everybody who is watching on Facebook. Some of you are tuning in live right now. We're looking forward to interacting with you. And some of you may be uh, listening on our brand new Bridge podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, we know that some of you will go, oh, this is a little weird because I'm listening to them interact with all these people on Facebook, and that is true. But um, maybe it'll be just encouragement for you to tune in sometime on Facebook so you can interact with us while we do these devotions. I'm going to say hi to some people who are tuning in on Facebook now. Good morning, Cheryl, Julie, Ed, Tammy, Becky, Liz, Tom. Great to see everybody tuning in. Hi, Barb. Hi, Cindy. Hey, Becky. Oh, wow, this is great. Good morning, everyone. We got people. We got people flying in, <laughs> flying into Facebook Live. All right. We've been doing a Bible study on the book of Proverbs through the month of May, where each day we read one chapter of the book of Proverbs as a church, and then we talk about it in our devotion. And we also have a place where you can interact with other people with your thoughts on the passage. You can do that in this video, obviously, but then we do a post each day at 11 as well, where you can interact with other people people. So today's May 20th, and so today we're going to be talking about Proverbs chapter 20. Let me say hi to a few more people. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Tammy. Good morning, Brian. Brian loves calling us the dynamic duo. <laughs> I love that, Brian. Hey, Bill. Uh, all right, so as some of you are tuning in, we want to just start with a fun opening question where everybody can weigh in, and this one is in some ways maybe a little less fun. Hopefully this doesn't bring back any painful memories for people, but this ties right into what we're talking about in the chapter today. But how old, this is the question for you to leave your answer in the comments. How old were you when you remember doing something that you knew was wrong? Is that the best wording for it? That works. What age were you when you remember doing something that you knew was wrong. You don't have to share what it is that you did, but how old were you when you remember doing something and thinking, I know that that was wrong? Me and Bo are gonna share our answers first. Bo, do you wanna go first or do you want me to go first? I'm curious to hear your story. Cause okay. I, cause I, yeah, I told you mine before, so yes, you go right. ahead. Okay, so I remember, I, there might be earlier ones, but this is like the strongest early one that I remember. I was probably maybe seven, and I was in the bathroom, going to the bathroom, sorry, TMI, but <laughs> sitting on the toilet, seven years old, and uh, the toilet paper roll was like one of the ones where it's kind of built into the wall. Like the container for it, if there's like an indent yeah. into the wall mm -hmm. where the toilet paper sits. And my parents had just painted it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the paint was still wet, and I touched it, and I thought, that feels gooey. <laughs> and it feels good on my finger. So I scratched it. <laughs> and it was like this, like, for a kid, felt uh -huh. very satisfying. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, I just love scraping this gooey paint. So I scraped it again. And I scraped again, and I was like, I'm just loving <laughs> scraping this toilet paper, the paint on this toilet paper dispenser. I think the toilet paper was sitting somewhere else, but this, so I could just, and then I finished scraping and I looked 
and I had completely ruined the paint. And I thought, why did I do that? Why did I do that? They just painted it and I just ruined it. I felt horrible. And then I went to my parents, I think I might have both been home, it might have been the weekend. And I said, I did something bad. And they looked and they were like, why'd you do that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think I cried. I don't remember. but <laughs> The guilt was so great. It, it was. I was just like, oh, I really. And there's no covering it up, man. You made an it indelible was I impression. Not hide it. I couldn't it was hide like, it. It was like your sin. You can't, you know, you can't yes. cover it up. You can't hide it. It's yeah. out there. It's naked before God. Literally. Yeah. What's that? It's like the sins of some go ahead of them and yeah. some trail behind. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but my sin was on display. Yes, it was. In the bathroom. So, uh, yeah, it was tough. Let's read a few and you, responses. And you were like seven years old? I was about seven, okay. yeah. Let's read a few responses and then sure. we can hear yours. yours. Uh, yeah. Cheryl says, love daily time. Thank you, Cheryl. Edna <laughs> says, good morning. Good morning, Edna. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Rachel. Rachel says, I was six years old and I took a small charm from a bracelet from the store. Uh -huh. So she took a charm okay. off a bracelet. Didn't yeah. steal the whole bracelet, just stole the charm. Oh. Brian said, six years old, neighbor kids taught me to steal candy. Uh -huh. Wow. Uh -huh. Tom said six. Cheryl says eight. Takes cousins into, talk, talks cousins into doing something we all knew was wrong. Okay, Julie said six or so. Becky said seven or eight, running from my mom and laughing as she tried to spank <laughs> us with a spatula. Wow. Tammy said, Vince, you rebel. That's right. Um, Rachel said, I still to this day feel horrid for stealing. Wow, I went to dad's years later and told him and he gave me the evil eye. <laughs> so wow, so a lot of people's memory is very, yeah. very early. Very clear. All right, yeah, so I shocked Vince by telling him that at age five I committed a federal offense. And he's like, no way. I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't believe it. I couldn't think of a way you could How at five. How could you? At five years But old. there was a way. I did, yeah. So living in Northern California, yeah. remember the street. Remember, Both you know. from California, for those of you who don't know. That's why he's so cool. <laughs> California. It's just in his blood. It's in his DNA. I guess, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, anyway, the mail truck van, I guess it's more like a van, you know, the mail vehicle, would come down the street, park at the end of the street, and the mail carrier would get out with his bag and he would go down the street delivering mail and then come back up the street. Well, I would wait until he got far enough down the street where he maybe wouldn't notice and I would jump, I jumped onto the mail truck and would steal a piece of mail because there'd be a pile still sitting there. What's so strange about that is I couldn't read. Right. Yeah, well, I had no, there was no benefit. There was yeah. just something fascinating about getting mail, you know, or Did having Did you feel like it was, like you had gotten the mail, kind of? Mm, you know. I'm, or was that was I, the fantasy? I, 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 I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't that dumb. Right, you know, right, I knew right. it wasn't mine. It wasn't to me, you know. Yeah. I just, the whole idea of opening mail. And so, <laughs> and so I, 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 I would jump off, I got off the truck, and then I'd stuff it in my pocket, and I'd go. And, and I can remember being between my house and the house next door, this little narrow strip. Yeah. And where I would safely then rip it open and look at it, not knowing what it said. It was letters or bills. Yeah, you know, probably or... somebody's electric bill. They got their electric turned off because of me or something, you know. That so, is amazing. And I knew it was wrong. I felt guilty. I tried, you know, because I hid my I hid my actions from the mail carrier. Yeah. And then I felt guilty. And you actually got on the truck? Jumped right up there. That's a brave move. 
for a kid. I would have been I did a so lot, terrified. I did a lot of outlandish things, you know, when I think back. It's like, why would I do that? Why would yeah. I do that? And there's a whole litany yeah. of things. That's but how you end up having the courage to <laughs> churches, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, that's why we had to leave, cut the state. You know, we had to move a lot because I had to stay ahead of the law. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been that's on why the, you left. Calvary. I've been on the lamb ever yeah. since. Yeah. But so this relates to the proverb that we're going to look at today here in chapter twenty, verse twenty-seven. It says, "The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being." Hmm. I was reading this with Janie this morning, and um, I read the whole chapter, and then I said, which verse would you want to talk about or hear about, you know? Yeah. And she picked this one. She said, because I don't know what it's really talking about. Mm. You know, what's it referring to? The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord. I said, I think maybe it's talking about the conscience. Mm -hmm. So I looked up a couple other translations, and it seemed that they agree yeah. with my thought. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, the spirit, and in parentheses, conscience of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching and examining all the innermost parts of his being. Mm. So it's speak, it seems to be saying that the human spirit, it's a lamp. What does a lamp do? It brings light. It brings, you yeah. know, you're able to see, understand, yeah. become aware. Yeah. Okay, so the human spirit searches your own, your own, you know, soul, life, right. examines your own actions, yeah. you know, and then brings them into the light of God and your own awareness. The Good News Translation says something similar. It says, the Lord gave us mind and conscience. Mm. We cannot hide from ourselves. So wow. what this says to me is First of all, having a conscience is one of the things that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, the naturalist would say that human beings are simply animals, mm -hmm. more highly developed animals. That's all we are. Mm -hmm. We're not creating the image of God because there is no God. There's only the natural world. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the naturalist's point of view. That is the pre prevalent thought in our schools today. Yeah. Our colleges, our universities, you know, it's naturalism. But this would say we're not just a part of the animal kingdom because we have a conscience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so. There might be some dog owners out there that. <laughs> <laughs> their hey, their we're dogs not, have a conscience. <laughs> that's a good point. Fear of, fear that is a very good point. <laughs> I was, the thought went through my mind that sometimes, you know, <laughs> so I've told people this, and this seems, people sometimes they, they think, I, I don't believe that. But when we're gone too long from our house, and, yeah. and Maddie, our dog, yeah. wants to send a message that she does not appreciate being left that long, yeah. she goes in the bathroom and she picks out toilet, or, you know, scrap paper out of the wastebasket, yeah. and then shreds it up and leaves wow. it in a pile right outside the bathroom door. Wow. She's done this hundreds of times wow so it's like she has full intent she knows what she's doing she's yeah. sending a message yeah. and if we will if we will scold her say maddie yeah. her head drops Cows. down yeah. so it looks like a conscience yes. right it's right. like busted i'm guilty right, you right, know right, right, right. so but it's different than a human different than a human conscience yeah other yeah we have to say that otherwise i have no valid point right. so, <laughs> <laughs> somehow that's different <laughs> But we yes. do, we have a conscience, and the Bible would suggest yeah. that our having a conscience is an indication that there is a God, yeah. 
who is a moral lawgiver. Right. And he right. has placed within us a sense, an innate sense of right and wrong. Yep. And you see this in all societies, and you see general agreement in what is considered right and what is considered yep. wrong. You yep. know, certainly there's some cultural differences, yep. but basically the same things are wrong in every culture. You yeah. know, there's a set of core things there are that core, are wrong they in seem every culture. To be, right, yep. right. There's another thing that the Bible says is an indication that there is a God, and that is creation. The fact that there is a creation would suggest this as a creator. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. And so the fact that there is a glorious and beautiful and extremely complex creation would suggest there's a creative mind behind that. Yep. You know, the, the uh, well-known um, story of the, uh, the watchmaker, you know, if you're walking through the woods and you find a watch, yeah. you know, a fine watch, intricately designed, running, you don't think, oh, look what just spontaneously popped into existence somehow. Right. No, if you see a watch, you know there was a watchmaker somewhere yep. that made that watch. And as intricate as a watch might be, the, cre the universe, the human body, mm. down to the molecular level is far more complex than any man-made watch. So, yep. so the human conscience, the creation itself testifies to the existence of God. There is a German philosopher by the name of Immanuel Kant who said this, two things fill the mind with ever-increasing wonder and awe, the starry heavens above me and the moral law within me. Wow. You know, he was, he was saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out if there is a God, if there's not a God, the two things I can't get away from is this creation. Mm. It just blows my mind. It is so vast and it's so amazing, so intricate and so finely tuned. And then this moral law that's in my heart mm -hmm. that tells me there's a right and there's a wrong. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul touched on both of these things, themes in Romans. He said in chapter 1, Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since, they may be, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Mm. So what this says to me, Vince, is God has left witness of himself yeah. to the world in creation. Yeah. It testifies of there being a creator. And the other thing that God has done is he has left witness to himself through the human conscience, yeah. a sense of what's right, what's wrong. In Romans chapter 2, it says, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law will be declared righteous. Now, he's not saying that we truly can be justified by the law, mm -hmm. you know. But he goes on to say that in the coming chapters. Yes, exactly. But um, 
and then he makes it clear that even if you don't have access to the law of Moses, there's still, there's still grounds for judgment from God. It says yeah. in verse 14, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing, at other times even defending them. Yeah. So what this tells us is that even if you didn't grow up hearing the gospel or reading the Bible or even hearing anything about God, there are at least two things in the, in the universe that would still leave you without excuse. Yeah. The fact that there's a creation mm -hmm. testifies to the fact that there was a creator. The fact that there's a moral law written in your heart yeah. that just is there would suggest there is a moral lawgiver. There is a transcendent being that has, who has revealed himself in, in different ways. And so where this comes, this has some practical application, I think, Vince, is, you know, when you're endeavoring to share your faith with somebody, the person who says, well, there is no God, well, they're having to go against really what they see in the universe and what they know to be true yeah, in their own heart. Right. And um, I remember I was telling you a story about um, as a, a Bible school student, my roommate and I went to a local university to just share our faith. We uh, went to the men's dorm on a Saturday morning and just knocked on doors. Mm -hmm. And if they opened the door, we'd say, hi, we're here to discuss the claims of Christ. Can we come in? <laughs> it was a very direct approach. Right. Which at the time probably worked pretty well. It did. It worked fine. Um, you know, and, and they, I think they were, you know, these are freshmen and they were, you know, so they're, they're in that place now where they're, they're reevaluating what they yeah. were, what, what they were taught at home yep. and they're trying to form their own ideas. And so it's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's wade into this and let's have a little friendly debate. Yeah. And so I remember one guy in particular, he almost seemed anxious to like, come on in, let's go for it. You yeah. know, let's, let's, let's. And so he was, um, it was clear that he was moving away from the matters of faith mm -hmm. to which he'd been exposed as a kid growing up. And so he, he took kind of an adversarial position to us, mm -hmm. uh, even about the existence of God and different things. And so my friend, who was really a smart guy and a, and a philosophy major, um, he, he said, um, you know, he asked him the question, he said, because one of the guy's defenses was he thinks he's a good person. So he doesn't, you know, even if there is a God, he thinks he's okay. Mm. I'm, I'll be good. Um, and I don't need a savior was his yeah, point. Yeah. So my friend said, so let me ask you something. He said, uh, do you like it when people, um, no, he's, yeah, he said, do you, do you like it, like to be lied to? Mm. He said, no. He said, well, do you ever lie to people? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. He said, so by your own moral standards, you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. God, he had nothing to say. Mm -hmm. And so he was basically acknowledging that he sins against his own conscience. Yeah, you right. know. And so for that person that says, I'm a good person, well, then press the point a little bit. Right. You know, right. So, so by being a good person, that means you never do anything that you wouldn't want somebody to do to you. Is that what you're saying? Because that's basically what most people, you know, I... I'm a good person. I live by the golden rule. Mm -hmm. Well, let's press that a little bit. Yeah. Like my friend did. And uh, it just helps to kind of peel away some of the defenses. 
yeah. to faith. So yeah, that's good. I don't know, a little, a little different today. This doesn't maybe have the as apparent uh, practical application as yesterday's devotion, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, what we chose to talk about. Yeah, it's great. So great. Thanks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Anything to add? Um, no, the only thought I was thinking was some of you watching, maybe you personally or have friends who have felt very judged by the church, various churches, churches you grew up in. And some of that might be true, that you were part of a church that was very mm-hmm. harsh, you know, condemning, overly judgmental. But sometimes, in addition to feeling like, man, the church really judged me or was so harsh with me, in addition to that, you also know that you've done some things wrong, that you broke your own moral standard, or maybe you broke God's standard, but you kind of cover that by saying, well, I shouldn't feel that because all my guilt is just coming from this religious institution that judged me so hard. And maybe just a... Uh, someone to think about is, okay, let's assume that that's true, that that religious institution was way too judgmental and condemning mm-hmm. and harsh. Mm-hmm. Strip that away, forget them, and never go back to that church and never, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But ask yourself also, is there any standards of your own that you've broken, mm-hmm. that you might need to make peace with God about or peace with another person? Um, yeah, that was just that's a good point. Yeah, that just that is a really head. good point because yeah. Because churches and religion do sometimes tend to be judgmental and harsh yeah. and, and hurtful of yeah. people, um, people feel justified in rejecting the whole, thing. the whole thing. The whole thing. Those people were mean to me, and, they sh- and, and, and many times they are, and, and they're misapplying or they're not in the right spirit yeah. the, you know, in, in the way they're treating people. Right. And, and because of that, then people feel justified in just chucking the whole thing. But right. like you said, that's a ex, an excellent point. Examine your own heart. And, right. and, you know, apart from what they said about you, what does your conscience say? Right. Maybe you? their standards were all wrong. Yeah. But have you broken your own standards? There you go. Do you have guilt about your own standards you put for yourself that you broke? Because if you do, mm-hmm. that's still something you got to deal with. Apart from whatever, Amen. whatever church, and that's and and that's the whole point of what Paul was doing. He was making the case in Romans for how we all need a savior. Right. Every one of us, we're all guilty before God. Whether we had the law of Moses, didn't have the law yeah, of Moses, we're right. all guilty because we violate our own standard of righteousness when we sin against our own conscience. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, we had a question come in. Okay. Should we answer it? If we can. (laughs) We'll hit it real quick. Jeff Claiborne said, does God speak to us through our conscience? Oh. What would you think? I'd say a big yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'd say he does. Right. I think maybe something to think about is, as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and our conscience maybe um, is something that even if you don't have the Holy Spirit, obviously like we just talked about, you may not have the Holy Spirit, but you may still have a conscience, right? You still do have a conscience. right? So everybody's got a conscience. Christians additionally have the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. who convicts of sin. Yes. And I think the more you mature, I was just listening to a church talking about this, the more you mature, the more your conscience and what the Holy Spirit says line up. Yeah. You know, sometimes when you're just getting started on the Christian journey, your conscience can be kind of out of whack. 
where it can tell you that certain things are okay, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit would say, ah, mm -hmm. it's actually not okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even your conscience can be too harsh, mm -hmm. and you feel guilty about things that the more you mature, you realize, oh, actually Christianity yeah. allows that. God doesn't really address that. Right. That well, was a yeah. cultural thing, that, or that was a thing in my own religious circle that they said, this is a sin. Right. And God was saying, well, I never really said that. Right. I remember a guy who... Um, came to the Lord later in life, and he said, he was reading 1 Corinthians, and he said, so after you get married, you're still not supposed to have sex, are you? <laughs> and I said, no, I think you misinterpreted something. <laughs> you are you are not only allowed to, you're encouraged to. So his conscience uh -huh. was actually out of, yeah. out of alignment with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So yes, God speaks to you through your conscience, yeah. but your conscience may be in the process of being aligned yeah. with what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of For and sure. what Scripture is convicting you of. So just because you feel like yeah. it's fine, yeah. go to the Word. Just because you feel like it's wrong, go to the Word. Another good point, I think, to make on this is that one of the points that Paul makes is that we suppress the truth yeah. by sinning against our conscience. Right, and right, so right, right. we can it. we can harden our hearts and yes. we can dull our conscience. And, and that's why people can just be adamant about saying there's nothing wrong with this action or that action or that behavior or that lifestyle. And they're conv completely convinced in it because they have very, in most likely, they don't have the Spirit of God in them at the, at, and they've also suppressed the truth in unrighteousness so that they can continue in that behavior yeah. and not feel a guilty conscience. Yeah. And so, and whole cultures can, can harden their hearts in those ways yeah. and justify certain behaviors and lifestyles. So that as far as they're concerned, there is nothing wrong with this. Right. And how dare you say that there is something wrong with yeah. it. Yeah, yep, you yep, know, yep, yep. And we're getting long here, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole sermon now. Yeah, right, like. right. But you know, there are some things, you know, that changed instantly in my understanding of right and wrong when I came to the Lord. Like wow. you said, when you have the Spirit of yeah. God, it's like it was just like flipped. Yeah, wow. And it's like that wow. that was a cool indication that, okay, I think God's here now, you yes, know, because right. I think completely differently about that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not a real proponent of trying to, like, make people in general mm. think like me or believe like me on moral issues mm. Mm. because it's like so much God can do so much more by entering that person's life by his mm. spirit you yeah. know what people need is to understand their need for a savior you know mean especially non-christian yeah I'm speaking yeah. specific about yes. non-christians yes. you know I'm, oh, I'm, I'm probably not going to succeed in changing their mind oh, okay my goodness. I and so agree more with that. and so why try to pound into them my viewpoint and my moral standards on this point or issue mm. um, because it's got to come from the heart yeah. and the Spirit of God can do that so much better than any of us yes. um, and so I tend to not wade into those uh, some of those cultural things and moral issues you know that yeah and just try to stay focused on the gospel and everyone's need for a savior. Yes. Um, yes. Because I found for myself, my so much of my viewpoints changed with having God in my life. Yes. So anyway, that's, that's a little, 
So it's getting a little bit more practical as we continue yeah, talking. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, can I just tee off on that real quick? Right I ahead. know we're going so long, but people are still tuned in, so that's good. Maybe they're, they're enjoying it, hopefully. Hope, hopefully. Yeah, um, this, is, this is a real practical encouragement to everybody that as Christians, when we interact with non-Christians, this is exactly what you just said. I'm just mm -hmm. saying it again. Yeah, I'm you'll say it, it again. <laughs> just, to, just to reaffirm that, we are not responsible to try to change their behavior before they say yes to a relationship with Jesus. So if you have a friend who's not a Christian, I would encourage you, only point them towards Jesus. Don't try to get them to follow the rules of Christianity mm -hmm. before they're in a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. That will only drive them away, and mm -hmm. it's not even biblical. I mean, Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. <laughs> like, if they're asking for advice how to handle this situation, then offer advice. But don't try to get somebody to change their mm -hmm. lifestyle that has not said yes to the Savior that demands that mm -hmm. lifestyle. You will mm -hmm. only, only, only drive them away. You yeah. know, that's a great point. Um, you know, there's a church in New York City at Redeemer Presbyterian Church, pastored by Tim Keller. He has done an amazing thing in creating a church that actually has a broad spectrum of political viewpoints represented in their congregation. Yeah. Okay. Yes. They've got people on the right, far right, far left, in between, because he focuses on Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and he and he, he he makes it his objective to just present Christ. Yeah. And our need for him, and having Christ in us, it will most definitely influence our thinking and our viewpoints on different things. But, but making those political or um, social issues mm -hmm. the main point, it can be a barrier to yeah. reaching somebody with the gospel. Yeah. So you want to become a Christian? <laughs> well, you got to become mm -hmm. a Republican mm -hmm. and this and that and that and that, and then you can become a Christian. Yeah. It's totally backwards. And that, totally is, backwards. and that is how much of the world views Christianity. They see it almost as there's a block of people here who all think the same way. On, yeah. on all the social issues. Yeah. And so if, if they can't see themselves thinking like that and behaving like that, they want nothing to do with Christianity. We've got to make Jesus the main issue because he is the main issue. Absolutely. And everybody needs a savior. Everybody um, is guilty before God, whether they, like Paul said, have the law, don't have the law, know what the Bible says on different things or not because they have a conscience. Yeah. And we all know that we, we have all sinned against our own conscience. Even you, Vince, as a seven-year-old little boy in right. there, you know, oh my defa goodness. defacing Scratching your, your paint. parents' paint job. Yes. Me, federal crime, five-year-old. <laughs> Yours is way cooler than mine. Yours is way cooler. <laughs> way dumber. <laughs> way more brave. Well, you way know, more brave. Hey, if you're going to do it, man. <laughs> Let us eat, drink, go, and be go married, for it. Or tomorrow we die. Yeah. Let's steal the mail. Right. <laughs> well, this is good. This is fun. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, anything closing thoughts? Or? No, no. Just you. I, I'm just sitting here thinking about how people are getting a completely different, you know, perception of you and me. The more we talk. They're the more getting, they know about us, judging. the less credibility they're we have. Judging <laughs> we better hardcore. cut. We better stop doing this. Yeah, we're. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Wow, well, uh, we love you. We'll see you tomorrow.
we're going to release the specifics for the safety guidelines for Sunday services soon. Yeah. So look for that. We'll see some of you Sunday. We will be online Sunday as well. So if you want to watch from home, that's totally great as well. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.